Pyongyang, vibrant, <laughs> my, vibrant city. It's going to say multicultural. Even they probably couldn't no, no. even get away with saying no. that. No. Welcome to the Glasshouse Game Show, recorded in London at Glasshouse Brick Lane. I'm Matthew Jones. I had to check my notes for my own name. Uh, before I throw it to the rest of the team, I have a prepared statement, uh, Your Honour. Um, more so than any other episodes, uh, I think this breaks the usual format. So just want to explain what we've got coming up. We're going to recap the public development story of Cyberpunk 2077 from announcement uh, up until a week before release, hitting all the main beats of content drip feed, scandals, delays, hot takes, delays, massive prolonged bouts of silence, crunch, and delays. This episode is being recorded on the 2nd of December, and we're releasing it a few days before the game's, I still have to say, projected launch. We haven't played it, and won't be recording one of our reflections until January at the earliest. We're going to make a lot of statements about content, which could arguably be excused by context, but we'll talk about why that's an unreasonable excuse in due course. Uh, more than just a conversation about Cyberpunk itself, as a several hundred hour video game you can play if you feel like it, we'd like to use this story to talk about the conditions massive games are made under, the cultural context surrounding the development, especially the political climate of the country it was developed in, and how that informs the content. It's one thing, we think, to make a statement about something being true, but it's another to frame it within conversations which have already been had and events which shape those conversations. Some of the problems we're going to cover aren't unique to this game, but the scale and scope, as well as the attention it garners as a result, provides us an ideal opportunity. And finally, we're very aware of CG Project Red's commitments to fairness and digital rights ownership, of which they set a standard unmatched by the rest of the industry. We're going to talk about it as we go, but I'd like to at least try and preempt any comments about us being wholly unfair in our coverage. Um, for clarity, we haven't reached out to CDPR. Um, we're not going to make any statements about development which haven't been supported by prior reporting, which we'll cite when it's relevant. Today, I'm joined by Astrid and Shay. Yeah, did you make sure that delays were in the show notes? Uh, I think uh, we can go back and put that yeah, in. Yeah, it's fine. And also, remote, we've got Alex CG. I support your prepared statement. Thank you. Thank you all for coming today. Are, you, are we excited? Woo! <laughs> I'm so excited for how uh, I don't want to say underwhelmed. I don't want to start off the show with a bomb note, but um... I'm not really sure because for the most part, I don't think this is a game that normally we would play. I think it's only because of the the, the scale of it that we are bringing it up at all. Mm. I think that's why it's noteworthy. Like I don't think that any of us are particularly interested in the massive open world RPG situation. Like what's what's everybody's relation to the games of CDPR? Like. I kind of before before um, everything we're about to discuss at the very least in the last like three or four years um, I was well like between that first like big like new trailer dropping where it was like oh my god Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven is happening again that's very exciting uh, I was uh, and all of all of the things that we are about to get into um i was kind of looking forward to it mm. um i kind of like the idea of this big sort of expansive cyberpunk world but that's because i'm not sick of open world rpgs yet um mm -hmm. yet being uh, a big word mm -hmm. in that sentence 
Um, Shay, it, you're the only one among us who was uh, capped off today's record by getting body modifications. So you must indeed. be very excited. No. You don't I'm... have to show the cap. We can put a photo up when it's healed. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have Cyberpunk tattooed on me now. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a dedication. Yep. Oh, wow. You put the release date on uh, and then you had to get it crossed out. <laughs> yeah. and then... did, you and get, did you get the little trademark symbol as well? Of course yeah, I did. Of course. Come you on. got to respect. Come on, amateur. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like similar to you, actually. I was, I think I was like really excited when it was announced. And I think as I sort of like came into the to the industry itself and like started thinking about things a little bit more and like the more stuff came out that obviously we're about to get into it just turned me off and like not even to like full-on sort of like disgust it's more like I'm just very indifferent to it like uh, yeah it's this weird like sort of apathy that I have towards this game and increasing ambivalence over mm. time yeah. ambivalence was the word I was gonna use yeah, yeah. yeah. it'll come out i I might play it, I might not, only yeah. because we're games journalists, right? Mm. I probably have to keep up with the big important thing, but otherwise, yeah. it's just a fucking video game, mate. Just video, it's all just video yeah. games, really. Uh, what about you, CG? What's your, uh, what's your bona fides? Um, I don't, I haven't played their other, I haven't played Witcher, despite Sam's urgings, and I, I know I should, I probably would like it, I think, because I like these, like, sprawling, crazy things, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I hate to sound on the same note, but, um, I think because I checked out of games. I think you're going to ask me a question about this later. But because I checked out of games for a very big chunk of time in like the mid 2000s, I uh, I just I think I got I unlearned. I'm still addicted to games, but I kind of unlearned a little bit the hype machine thing of like the next thing's coming out. Oh my god! So yeah, I'm. It, it's interesting, but I'm I'm highly skeptical. That's even mm. besides all the things we're about we're going to talk about. But yeah. Well, let's stop ruddy mucking about and start talking about them, didn't we? It, yes. Cyberpunk as a genre was kicked off by Bruce Bethke in a novel, which was released in 1983. There's no body modification or androids or artificial bodies. Um, I've relied on Samantha Greer's writing for Rock, Paper, Shotgun for background on this because I haven't, I haven't read it. I haven't. I don't read books. Can you read books? Books? I don't know how to read. What's that about? Um, Blade Runner had come out the year before in uh, 1982, but it was based on a book from the 60s. Uh, Neuromancer had come out the year after that, and Astrid, you were telling me before the record that uh, William Gibson and Ridley Scott were... Yeah, if I remember that right, Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I'm pretty sure I do, probably should have Mm -hmm. (laughs) double-checked That's the only source that Um, we haven't clarified on this. Um, But uh, William Gibson and Ridley Scott um, were mates, uh, and they they spoke a lot about the worlds that they they were creating um, when um, they were working on Blade Runner and Neuromancer, respectively. Um, which is why there are so many similar, like genre similarities, um, because they were sort of fleshing out their own ideas together and brainstorming things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, no. Um, by um, by those genre ideas, do you have a, a couple examples that you could throw um, in? Like, what, think, what do you think is a definition of a, a, a seminal cyberpunk example? Yeah, I think um, I think like the the big prevailing question in cyberpunk is what does it mean to be human. Um, and not when do people stop being human, which I'm, I'm sure is going to become relevant later. Mm. Um, but um, that question of like what makes a person a person, um, like what um, what what's at the essence of what being a human being is, um, like um, which is why Blade Runner dealt with um, like replicants and are they sentient? Are they deserving of of the same rights as human beings? Um, uh, and um, just like it is a very, it's a very introspective genre. 
um like it's it's very um it looks it looks to matters of the self quite a lot uh and it does that with um robot arms and flying cars hell yeah yeah and questionable representations and of questionable asian representations culture. of yeah. asian culture yeah which yeah we were talking about this before the record mm. as well but there's a there's a scene in blade runner where i think this gets talked about a lot where harrison yeah. ford is eating some chinese food and in the context of when that film came out, it was basically like, what's this fucking American guy doing eating Chinese food? What's the future all about? And now you read it and he's just out for a takeaway. <laughs> he's just out for a takeaway, yeah. yeah. But like, there was lots of like sinophobia at the time. Yeah, of course. Of Absolutely. like fears that, that China and Japan would dominate the Yeah, it, the it comes economy. from the, a context um, of uh, yeah. Japanese technology being yeah. the, the standard the rest of the world was following and Chinese yeah, and you get like you get like those old videos of uh, of Republican um, uh, politicians like smashing up uh, Japanese tech as a as a sort of really dumb <laughs> early version of like people burning their Nike trainers Hell and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, uh, which worked. That's all. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. worked. It stopped that in its tracks. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> The original cyberpunk board game came out in uh, 1988, and then uh, Snow Crash comes out in 1992. So I think those are all the the real like genre touch points, probably for inspiration. Um, I remember reading a tweet recently where somebody had talked about Neuromancer as being um, like quaint as an idea of um, a, a vision of the future, because in the 80s one of the worries that people had was we were all going to get blown up by a nuke. And so the fact that Neuromancer was like, well, we're probably not, but corporations are going to control everything. is like, oh, yeah, at least we're not dead. Yeah. CG, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think among us, I think you might be the only person who's read um, Neuromancer. Is that right? Uh, Wait, well, no, sorry. You, I'm you not in your head. I, I, <laughs> I, I got a couple of chapters in a while ago, but I have not, yeah. have not delved deep into it. Mm -hmm into its um depths gripping read yeah, page yeah. turner yeah i it's been a while since i've read it i do remember being really um it, it's like it's like one of those things when you read dune or one of these like foundational sci-fi things and then you look and you're like oh that explains like all of sci-fi after it you know like you read dune and you're like oh that's where all the desert planet like tatooine stuff comes from and like you read neuromancer and you're like what okay that's where these aesthetics uh come from and there's there is a lot of that like transhumanist themes and people like modifying their the length of their life like their age um and stuff and there's a lot of like hacking is like this very corporeal thing where like, you hack and you like physically like go into the machine and stuff which i don't know i would imagine informs like ghost in the shell and that kind of stuff he gibson did write an essay that a few years later that i do think kind of epitomizes cyberpunk a little bit in a different way called um, disneyland with the death penalty which was his reporting experience. It was like a fictional reporting experience about Singapore. And I think that idea of like uh, authoritarianism and capitalism and like the, the huge divergences and like both happening at the same time, like that, that's, I guess that's what you often see in cyberpunk along with the, you know, the Orientalist, like, Ooh, yeah. Signs and kanji and katakana and they're neon. <laughs> like, hell yeah. <laughs> what are all these fucking lines, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so around about the same time, only uh, two years after Snow Crash, uh, CD Projekt Red start a company. Uh, they don't begin by developing video games. The first thing that they do, and um, thank you to uh, Polygon for this piece that uh, served as a little bit of background. They uh, pretty much just burned discs 
uh, and then moved into doing Polish localization for games, um, and then moved from there to getting the Baldur's Gate license. Um, and for that localization, they had to do pretty much all of the work. Like they had to get in and do all of the localization themselves and print all of the discs. The only thing that they didn't have was the rights to do it. And from <laughs> there, they have the right to create some uh, DLC or something like a, a expansion pack for Baldur's Gate. Um, and that code is what they use to create The Witcher. And then for The Witcher 2, they create their own engine and then since. Okay. But you can see the legacy of them uh, creating something like Good Old Games as a response to their previous history of uh, questionably legal um, video game practices, which I think in Poland at the time it was. I've done a small amount of research on this. It's, I think I find that utterly fascinating I, that like it's a company so cool. that kind of cut their teeth in piracy yeah. and then went on to yeah. making it legitimate. Mm. I don't know. Maybe it's quite cynical to say, especially seeing where the company sort of ended up, mm -hmm. which we'll get into that. It's, it's sort of pretty sick to see them like start off with kind of radical roots, mm -hmm. like. Yeah, which yeah. I think in, in senses that they still continue, right? Like, mm -hmm. I, you know, I did, did the disclaimer at the top of the show, like uh, GOG having a very deliberate um, authorship and ownership policy uh, yeah. and just giving you a copy of the game without any restrictions was pretty wild for when it first launched, yeah. where there was a like what was presumed to be a rampant piracy issue and yeah. now still offering it in a landscape that doesn't really... Uh, no companies are being cancelled for not providing yeah. a... Um, not always online copy of the video game, yeah. mm. like devoid of anything else. It's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, it's just yeah. like it's yeah. like like not cool, not not just cool as in decent, cool mm -hmm. as in like kind of badass. Yeah, I think they set a standard as well for um, if there was any downloadable content for any of the games that they would release. It was pretty easy for you to access that, if not almost free. Mm. Um, I think that they just realized that performing an ethical standard of trying to make their games as accessible as possible was going to make good business sense for them as somebody that was creating a massive video game that people apparently wanted to play that I'm not among. Cause does, this, um, does this play into, you think, their reputation in the industry, besides like having made The Witcher and all that? Do you think this plays into the, you know, the, their like legendary stature in the industry? Yeah, as, like, yeah I genuinely think so. Like, bootstrap themselves up from this like, you know, piracy culture thing, made a company out of themselves. And so it's like people want to give them a fair shake of that like rags to riches story or something. Yeah, I really think so. I think that it it helps their public perception that they've been the the good guys, quote unquote, for yeah. so long. Um, so the first that indication that CDPR were up to anything was in May 29th of 2012. And the video game's only just coming out now, eight years later, presumably. They're still being recorded a week before. <laughs> Um, the title was announced without much on uh, May 30th. Um, pretty much nothing else came out other than the title. Um, without providing too much information about what you get up to. Um, well, what were you doing in 2012? Uh, I'll cap us off. Because I was 21 and I was writing a dissertation about the way that women were talked about in video game writing. Where I got a sample size of every time that a woman was mentioned in games reporting for a month. And then I just talked about the language that was used mm. when they were being described. And mm. shout out to Kotaku uh, for making that article possible. Because they... Oh, oh buddy. I'll try and see if that uh, is still on a computer somewhere. Because yeah. it's, uh, it's, not, it's not good reporting. But it's, it's funny. 
Mm-hmm. Anybody else got anything cool? I'm going to save myself to last. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was. I'm not going to say how old I was, but I. I just checked. May. I would have. I wouldn't have been working at HMV. I would have actually been working as a chef. Um, this predates my HMV employment by a couple of months, mm-hmm. but in that sense, I was up to no good. Is what I was doing. <laughs> I, was, I, was a, I was a real yeah. dickhead in 2012. <laughs> I was yeah. like pretty young, just yeah. not giving a fuck, pretty much. Why not? Why not? Mm-hmm. CG, what's your deal? Um, I think I had just moved to Chicago like a year earlier, and I was, what was I doing? I think I was working in nonprofits. That's what I did for a long time, and probably playing like the same three Final Fantasy games on my Game Boy Advance. Because <laughs> that's kind of what I did every year. I was like, yeah, nothing's video changed. games are cool, but <laughs> yeah, nothing's really changed. I just replay Final Fantasy 4 through 6 every year. Yeah. <laughs> I was in secondary school yes <laughs> picking my gcse options wow oh so you were God. reading the headline of this and then going cool that's going to come out next year i'm excited for that um, after i finish my gcse yeah, i'll no. be able to play this nice little treat <laughs> that would be a nice little treat for for the anguish i'm about to go through yeah no it was it was would you you wouldn't have even legally been able to own a copy of it? Uh definitely yeah. not, no. Cool. Um, I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't legally allowed to have sex at that age, uh, let alone play a <laughs> Look game. Look at you about. now. Look at me now. <laughs> Still not legally. Look at me now. Still not legally. <laughs> <laughs> so in October eighteenth of twenty twelve, uh, we see the first uh, bit of key art. It's a woman wearing very few clothes with some little cybernetic spikes emerging from her arms. Uh, she's partially covered in blood without any real context you know you can kind of presume that it's hers but i think it's better to presume that it's someone else's blood um a month later uh in 2012 women in the games industry were using the hashtag one reason why to talk about their experience like the one reason why was why there aren't more lady game creators and they would say well it's because this fucking shitty thing happened to me and that became a really big movement um and I, I mentioned. So I, I think maybe I should have capped this off in the disclaimer as well. I don't just want to talk about cyberpunk, right? Like, it's enough to talk about context about things being bad when it happens, but talking about them at, as well as the conversations that were happening at the same time mm-hmm. feels really yeah. important to me. It's, it's mm-hmm. one thing to say that this was really sexist and uh, objectifying, but it's another that would say like it was already sexist and objectifying in a culture that was already grappling with mm. these conversations. Yeah. Like, it's not the only thing that happened. It's in addition to the yeah. problems that we were already having. And it's, yeah, it's really interesting because I obviously didn't join the industry until much later, but, like, all of these conversations were stuff that was happening that I didn't really have much awareness of until, funny enough, when Mass Effect 3 came out and there was the whole, like, sort of backlash against the ending. That was, I think it was the same year, and um, that was the first time that I realised, oh, man, game gaming mm. gamers are very toxic with um there was another scandal with mass effect as well because one of the writers uh, i think it was um i think jennifer hepler i think it was that had said um why don't games have uh, an easy mode option or mm. like a completely skip all the uh, difficult sections option for people that are really just there for the story mm. and that oh that Again. had such uh, massive amounts of misogynistic vitriol yeah. thrown at her just for yeah. saying that's now kind of commonplace in yeah. a lot of instances yeah yeah yeah. Um, so in January of 2013, first trailer's posted. It's the same woman from before. Uh, she's being shot and bullets 
shatter on her skin. Uh, she's flanked by a police officer pointing another gun at her head while she's on the floor. Um, you talked about before this episode actually getting a um, image that like the the Gundam one of the like oh cool robot and then um, all of the bad shit that happens. <laughs> Um, five days after that trailer was posted, there was a scandal with uh, a release of Dead Island Riptide, which uh, had a collector's edition that was just a woman's torso. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Just for people that aren't necessarily aware of this, um, it was a woman's bloodied torso that didn't have a head on as well, or arms, or legs, um, but a Union Jack bikini. I'm not sure if that was the, yeah. still the case in Australia as well. I couldn't find reference to this. Um, <laughs> Citation needed on yeah, that yeah, specific that. element, yeah. Um, and uh, Jen Frank writes an article about this for Game Ranks, um, where she talks about this as being a literal objectification, where like that's you know it's about as objectifying as you yeah. can literally get by re removing anybody of human agency mm. at all. Um, and in that same year, in April at GDC, uh, Anna Anthropy gives a talk about uh, it was at the, the Hothead rant. Um, she gives a, a, a poetry reading of uh, slightly amended, but it was a, a poem that was written by Cara Ellison called uh, John Romero's Wives. Um, and for me, at least, because um, I'm bringing some of my own perspective as somebody that was kind of around at this time, it felt like a real breaking point for women in games, or specifically not just promoting the straight white man mm. idea of you know, I'm going to work in a very big AAA studio and it's only my um, desires that are being put into games, but also mm. the presumption is that um, I'm the audience for them as well. Mm. It felt like with the opportunity for people that were um, developing independent games, like the tools had become more uh, useful, like Game Maker and uh, I don't know if we had Unity yet, but we had uh, Twine. Um, it felt like the barrier to entry for a lot of people was way lower and this was the breaking point. Yeah. Um, and then in June, CDPR opens a studio in Krakow to supplement their uh, Warsaw studio. That's mm. nice. Yeah. A little Aww. extra. That's cute. A little bonus, for little bonus CD. A little bit of fun. Um, bonus CD is very good, good, actually, yeah. So, nothing bloody happens for four years. Uh, in terms of development, we don't hear anything else for between 2014 and 2018. There's nothing that comes this out. This is the aforementioned silence. Exactly. Okay. The silence. Um, this is something that happens with uh, marketing for video games. If you've got nothing to share, it's better to just not even try and... Because um, one of the things with video game marketing is you want to funnel people towards something. Yeah. And if there's nothing to funnel them towards, what's the point of even doing anything? Like... They're just going to sit in the Discord, and then they're not going to be able to talk about the new... I mean, even at the time, they wouldn't have been possible. But they're not even going to talk about the new news, because there isn't any. And mm, the channel's yeah. going to go dead, and you're going to lose all of the excitement. So just You're going to lose all your subscribers. Mm, yeah. Exactly. Mm, so yeah. it's better to not just trickle along with a, a little news cycle. But like, the thing I really wanted to talk about was like how hype plays a massive portion of like how video games as a culture exists. Like how, at least... From my perspective, it seems that the biggest marketing idea is just to create the insatiable need to own the video game. And that, it doesn't seem as prevalent in any other medium, really. No. Yeah. Maybe big film franchises, but I, I, I don't know. What, it, what about video games does, says to you that this needs to have this hype cycle in order for it to, to exist? I think it's because, like, more than any other medium, like, game gamers feel 
like this sense of ownership Say over games. <laughs> Gamers, TM. Um, yeah, have this sense of like ownership over games in a way that like doesn't really seem to be the case in other mediums. And like, I don't know, like, I feel like a lot of people attach like their their liking of something as like a personality trait, if that makes sense. Hmm. So it's like if they're hyped about something, then it's like, okay, I've got something to make me feel good and thus that makes me cooler or some shit. Like, I'm in the in-group. Yeah, if that makes sense. That might be a reach, but that's sort of how... Yeah, I, I think, think there's an economic it. factor that plays into mm. it as well. Mm. Um, because um, like... Uh, it's the it's the it's the historic talk that video games are the biggest industry ever. They make more money than films, um, but I so much of that I feel is because um, all of these studio executives promised shareholders that this industry was going to get bigger and bigger and bigger mm. every single year, and like put all these promises down on some sort of, form of like exponential growth. And exponential growth requires people to be constantly hyped for something, so that they're pouring all of their money into 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 this product and delivering on these promises. And I, I, I it feels like um, it, it it feels like it like you have to you have to manufacture a, a sort of uh, a, a a scenario of people. A feeling, consent, you might you might say. You could say manufacture. Yeah, yeah. no, manufacture a little bit of cheeky little bit of consent. Wow. Um. Uh. That's right. We got. <laughs> that's Pop right, in, guys. Baby, we're manufacturing consent. Socialism. <laughs> um. No. Uh. Yeah. Um. And. Yeah. No. Like, if if your if your industry relies, um, as the games industry does on continued increasing growth you need to get people like zealously into what you're trying to sell them but I, i'd say that we live in an economic system that that could be true of every medium mm. like why mm. why uniquely video games i think it has to do somewhat with what shay was saying as well though of like fan communities there's some there's a guy i don't really know if it holds up so i apologize but henry jenkins he wrote all these books about fan culture and like bloggers and gamers and how they like fan communities develop and i think Shay might be right in the sense that like a fan community around a franchise like Star Wars, like that's kind of unique because it's this massive thing or Doctor Who or something. But for a lot of movies, like you can be excited about it, but like you, most you can kind of do is maybe arrange a watch party for it and then maybe talk about it or, you know, the conferences, comic cons, you can get people to come talk. But there's like um, there's a sense that even just CD Projekt Red themselves, like they they came from a fan community, right? They ended up building this whole like game franchise there's something about um, games just like we said before as an experience, but also as a, as a community culture of like people, uh, even our conversation with Holly Nielsen about like play, like how play changes from community to community, people feel an ownership of it because they're like actualizing it. Like they put the gears into motion by playing the games. So uh, they don't have to like wait and sit for someone to like press play and watch it. Um, and I think, yeah, there's something about game communities where like modding culture and fan communities and modding packs and dlcs and all the rest of this stuff is like it's just baked into like how games exist so both with like the capitalist excess thing as well as the you know people in in games they they see themselves like you have a much more direct line in games to the creators even if the company hates you and ignores you like there's a much more of a conversation between communities because it it's like an active community that needs to be fostered Whereas mm. like, you know, the films are released and they care about the box office and maybe the critics. But like, you know, once it's out, it's kind of it's just out. 
you know, it, they're not trying it's to not sell the you the different thing. costume for like James Bond in, a, <laughs> no. in the DVD. Yeah. And equally, like, um, like on your point of like a more direct line, you feel like you're talking to the developer when you leave a comment on a forum like that. Whereas yeah. with IMDb, you might just be like, oh, I liked this film very much mm-hmm. or I thought it was bad. But you don't expect like Quentin Tarantino to be like, I'm, I, you know, maybe, maybe, it was a bad example. maybe that was a bad example. <laughs> um, So in August of 2014, there was this bloody Gamergate thing, wasn't there? Oh, those bloody Gamergaters. No. No. Little scamps (laughs) doing stochastic terrorism. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I remember like like, a Christmas years after Gamergate. My mom asking me, like, oh, so why don't you do that, like, games journalism thing so much anymore? And I had to say, like, oh, yeah, because all the games that I liked were, like, the people that made them got driven away by a fucking Nazi recruitment campaign. (laughs) Like, she looked at me like I was completely more so than I'd already right to be. Completely fucking crazy. And turns out, it's completely completely true. Yeah. Yeah. Unironically, what happened? Literally what happened. Yeah. Mate, it's a shame that that uh, Firefly guy was caught up in that. That was a real blow for me. I um, I, I oh, when shit. researching this, it's weird that you bring this up. Um, that there was a like if you read the Wikipedia article for it, Adam Baldwin at the time had like a hundred thousand followers. Um, and it's so quaint a number now for a celebrity to mm. have. I was, yeah. Oh, hundred thousand. Okay. Oh, look at you. You'll be a real celebrity someday. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I don't really want to legislate. I mean, I want to legislate Gamergate. I don't want to continue to talk about it right now. No, no, yeah. Because it's a longer video. Um, But the reason that I bring it up is because most of the political commentators that would cut their teeth doing Gamergate stuff eventually transitioned to doing out-and-out right-wing Republican campaigning for the... Yeah. 2016 election but you know it would have been 2015 where it started like they started in august 2014 got their names made by saying that you know gamers have ethics or apparently don't and then went on to say oh well you know who else doesn't have ethics anybody gotta get rid of everybody don't we um and that happened in america pretty bad you were there for it but it also happened in poland too in 2015 the law and justice party of poland which are the current i will admit my understanding of polish politics begins and ends with research for this show so 
you know, I'd like to claim that I'm a 100% shit hot on my Polish politics, but I, I cracked myself up laughing, learning that the Law and Justice Party, who are basically the equivalent of our Tories, it translates to, P, it, in Polish, it translates to PIS. So they are literally the piss party. Yeah. I, I had a lot, that was my ray of sunshine doing the research <laughs> for this episode. Um, so in 2015, they campaigned pretty heavily on an anti-migrant rhetoric. Um, but then in the 2019 election campaign moved pretty heavily into, um, so I think the exact wording was that um, uh, LGBTQ, uh, it's an, uh, a Western-influenced ideology. Um, yeah. And it's not, it's not very good for people in Poland at the no, minute. It's not, it's no. Not. I've, got a lot of, um, I've got a lot of friends who are queer from Poland uh, who got out, like, years ago because um, they just felt unsafe in the country. Um, and it's only gotten worse since mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. Um, like, um, one, of the big, uh, one of the big things at the moment is um, LGBT-free zones mm-hmm. um, I was, throughout the country. I was reading yeah. up on this. Like, it was uh, massively supported by a right-wing paper that would issue stickers out in their newspapers that were supposed to be put up everywhere that were like, this is an LGBT-free wow. zone. Uh, and then right. they were legislated against by, or I think there was just a campaign, but they said that like, oh no, that's just that's just literal like fake news that they called it. And then mm. they released different stickers that said uh, it wasn't an LGBT free zone; it was an LGBT ideology free zone, which is fucking dog whistling. Yeah, mate. yeah, it's it's just the same, same thing. thing. Yeah, it's just um, so the same thing. this is the environment that City Project Red is kind of existing in. Yeah, at the time absolutely. Of development and. There was Do you see a, that stuff bleeding into development or in terms of their response to it? This is what I worry about um, because uh, the, the most important bit of, because we, we can say that like, there's a political climate, um, but that's you know legislation that doesn't necessarily reflect what people believe en masse. But there was a, a survey that was done in, I think, uh, yeah, 2019 that said the majority of Polish men under 40 believe uh, LGBT movement and uh, gender ideology is the biggest threat facing them in the 21st century. Jeez. Which is there you go. men under forty is probably going to incorporate a lot of the development team yeah. of. So I can't, I can't make any assessments of the yeah. beliefs of CD Project Red, but it's there's there's fucking there. It's you can you can draw the line. Do, yeah. do you think that plays? In, I guess we'll talk about some of the representation and, and stuff that we, have, mm-hmm. we do know about the game. Like, do you think? Believe that, me, it's whether it's out. an explicit ideology or it's more implicit kind of like background noise that feeds into that like do you think that that's a factor in some sense this is where i sit i think that it's impossible to divorce the Mm. climate from the content that's being produced Mm. um and the reason i wanted to talk about um legislators specifically is that in december of 2016 uh cd project red were given a seven million dollar grant by the polish government to do a city creation which would have uh helped mostly led to what uh, cyberpunk is already today and seamless Mm. multiplayer which has yet to be confirmed will be in the game i think it won't be at the game at launch but will be arriving at a later date which says to me that they fucking buckled down to get the game in any playable state and are going to worry about it in future yep um i also i don't want to kick off um because there are, there are two problems with saying that um, like there's a high amount of anti-LGBT sentiment in Poland. Um, like one of them, the UK is not 
immune from no. that at all. Yeah, there was yeah. there was just uh, just today some really awful stuff came out about yeah. um, about the government and the NHS cracking down on like trans kids. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's self referral like, for um, puberty um, blockers. Yeah, yeah. Um, they said that children under the age of sixteen um, cannot. Um, I I, don't, I I think I think the case is still ongoing. Um, but uh, uh, Tavistock, which is a gender clinic that um, um, sees trans uh, kids. Um, have already started um, saying that people on the edge of sixteen uh, can't um, inform, like informatively well, it, consent. I, if I understand it correctly, because I, I don't necessarily want to cut you off, but mm. I think that it's more that um, you have to be capable of showing informed consent yeah. in order yeah. to get these, uh, rather than it being assumed that you will automatically have assumed consent because mm. you've asked for them. Which, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be used in the way that would be it's not responsible. it's not and um like trans kids are already seeing like appointments cancelled mm-hmm. and uh being told that uh like puberty puberty blocker medication that they've been on for like a, a certain amount of time now uh they need to stop taking them and all of this stuff mm-hmm. so like yeah no the uk uh and other places outside of poland um are equally as like mm-hmm. culpable in this sort of culture in this climate of course uh the second point that i wanted to make as well is that the uk is not immune from uh very heavy anti-polish se- sentiment yeah. so yeah. i wouldn't want yeah. our uh statements here to be reflective of us singling poland out in any specific uh yeah circumstance like Absolutely. there is there's some bad shit happening yeah. everywhere but this is directly tied to the video game that's being produced in that country yeah 100 percent a lot of media gets released between 2014 and uh, 2018 when the Twitter account posts again. Um, we get the Ghost in the Shell movie with uh, Scarlett Renowned Johansson. Renowned Asian-American actress exactly. Scarlett Johansson. Exactly. She did a great job portraying <laughs> an Asian woman. Uh, there was oh, Alita oh, Battle Angel, which uh, yeah. just... Uh, I didn't watch, but chibification of... Uh, isn't that one yeah. weirdly taken up by, like, chuds for some reason? They like really, really like Alita Battle Angel for some. Yeah, time. there's lots of like there's lots of people really obsessed with that movie in a way that yeah. I find baffling. It's, it's a bit just creepy. Yeah. Very fine. Mm. It's very. It's like standard of <laughs> mediocrity. It sits up there, you know. <laughs> if we had longer to research this yeah. episode, I think I would have watched it. Yeah, I think mm. just to just to know. Yeah. Um, Altered Carbon came out, uh, right. which I think the book was probably released around that same time as well, which oh, had some yeah. transphobia accusations. Um, it's specifically also the author of Altered Carbon is like a fucking dickhead when mm. it comes to trans people. Hell yeah. Yeah. Mm, love that. Love mm. that. And uh, Blade Runner 2049 came out, which committed the worst sin of all because it was fucking boring. Oh, I yeah. see. I, I I only just noticed that note. Uh, <laughs> you do not agree. And <laughs> I, I, I fucking boring. do not agree. <laughs> Um, but I can see, I can understand that. It's fine. I quite liked it. I think it got the message that yeah. the original Blade Runner was trying to get across a lot better. Um, we get an announcement of System Shock 3, uh, which we didn't talk about any of the System Shock games at all, but no. whatever, they're not going to really help us out. I'm just excited for System Shock. Yeah. Uh, and uh, VA11 Hall A came out, which I wanted to talk about here because we got eyes on this as talking about a very big video game release, but... I think one of the mission statements for this show is not to just talk about the big thing that comes out. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about something that is in the genre that's a little bit less likely to get as much attention. Um, Astrid, I think you've played the most of it. Is that right? Oh, yeah. No, love yeah. it to bits. I still haven't completed it, mm-hmm. but uh, I've played I've played it for um, like a good while. 
Um, I just took a lot of time ruminating over things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's a fantastic little game. Uh, you're uh, you're uh, um, an underpaid uh, bartender in a dystopian cyberpunk world. Um, the bar is called Valhalla because it's in block VA-11 hall-A of this big um, sprawling um, city. Um, and the whole game is your, like, people are coming in to the bar and you're making drinks for them um, uh, based on, like, uh, their request for, like, different flavours or, like, different sort of vibes, uh, how boozy the drink is. Um, and you're just listening to them talk and depending, like, like some drinks will have, like, variable alcohol contents that you can just sort of, like, um, put as much or as little in as you can and that will change how people behave. They've never um, heard of the Weights and Measures Act. Of, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't exist here. Um, uh, and um, that can have like uh, consequences on the on the story. Like um, one of the examples from like the early demo that they showed was uh, um, you could give somebody too much booze. You could put booze in somebody's coffee on their way to work, and they like suffer a car crash and like it it's this big thing that has oh consequences throughout the story it's really interesting um, but it's also um it's also it could also just be li- as little as oh if you get that person slightly m- more drunk than than not um then they might disclose like an interesting little anecdote or a little story also there are talking dogs in it one of Hell them yeah. wears a hawaiian shirt um and sunglasses and uh, it's must best, be protected best game at all costs. Must be protected at all costs. Cool. Yeah. One of the reasons it might be interesting to bring up like indie games like that is that, like any genre, like the, the roots of cyberpunk and stuff was, you know, it, was, it started in a kind of DIY aesthetic. It started from smaller authors, you know, just writing what they wanted to write about. And it was kind of interesting when you said to me that the CDPR, you know, whatever it's a business, but they had to they accepted this seven million dollar grant from this Polish government. I was thinking such an it's such a weird like making a cyberpunk story with like millions of dollars of of funds from the government. It's a bit ironic. Not not because there's some I need think there's some pure aesthetic you need to have and like you need to live on a mountain and not accept money from anyone, but it's just kind of like it starts to change what it is, right? Like the whole idea of cyberpunk is this kind of like marginal critique of mainstream like society so it's what is it it's yeah it's like blade runner or any of these other things like what does it mean when it's like millions of dollars to fund a fantasy of like faux resistance to what anymore like it's almost no surprise that these issues that we're going to talk about come up you know it's also really interesting that like of that seven million let's say that you gave fractions of that to small independent studios and gave them the same pitch like what range of really interesting Mm. stories could you have told with that opportunity uh, whereas what we yeah. will get is Orientalist simulator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in June of 2017, CDPR announced that some files have been held to ransom and they aren't going to pay. Um, I didn't bother to bring up the statement because it doesn't really come up again. I re- I don't I remember the nope. ever announcing. That's so I didn't remember that. Yeah, that so happened to learned. Capcom recently, didn't it? Mm, yeah. yeah, and then they did release them and now we know everything that they got coming out for the next billion years. <laughs> no Mega Man, which. <laughs> <laughs> Now's Oof, the time to announce Mega Man. No one's expecting it. Yeah, right? <laughs> we have our first suggestion that there might have been very long hours and poor working conditions. Whoa. Which will be a recurring theme here going. Uh, some Glassdoor posts. Glassdoor is a website for you to uh, rate your previous employer on your way out. No affiliation with Glass House Games. No, nope, no. none. So the company puts out a statement on Twitter in October of 2017, um, which 
um, first of all, uh, is one of the only things that the game is any proof that the game still exists. Mm. I think my like this. There's no proof to what I'm about to say, but I like my big brain version of it is like they weren't fucking working on it. <laughs> that they said in uh, 2015 that uh, 2015 and 2016 were the years of The Witcher, which were like oh yeah we just don't have things to say this mm. in these two years but i bet they weren't fucking doing anything i bet they're sitting on their hands <laughs> there's a uh, statement and i'm skipping ahead here as well because it mm. comes out in 2019 but um a former employee does a reddit post um and yeah. it's confirmed by jason Schreer and i think jim sterling as well who uh, have done some uh, of their own reporting yeah um that says that the CDPR way of doing things is to spend a lot of time in pre-production and then just fucking throw money at the thing and then uh, just race to get it done. Right. So it says yeah. to me that from when the trailer came out, it was probably something that they were pitching around to try and get um, investment. Nothing really happened because they were working on The Witcher. Right. And then probably having a little bit of fun thinking about all the things Keanu Reeves mm. can do. And then actually made it in maybe the three years, maybe at best fingers crossed yeah i've spent a great deal talking about this game even though i'm like so indifferent it's the to way it. isn't it yeah it's but the like, life of a games journalist <laughs> right it's not a real job but we have to do spend a lot of time talking about stuff we'd rather yeah. not yeah yeah um, but i've especially been talking about it in places that are like non-endemic to games and like i found that when i mention you know like long hours and like you know really poor working conditions everyone's first response is yeah but isn't that the same in any like other industry and then when i sort of explain it they're like holy shit that that's fucking awful mm -hmm. and you know when i mention all the like really severe cases of like people dying at their desk and stuff like that they're just like yeah this is terrible and you know when i let them know that it's actually the case behind a lot of their favorite games it's when you know the penny drops and they're like we have to do something about this i'm like yes keep that energy yes. let's do something about but it but also God, what, a, love radicalism what a sad people. implication that they right? say that you know like well yeah. isn't every mm. industry like this like yeah why why is yeah. every industry like this? It doesn't need to be this way. Yeah. You know that makes these things worse, right? Like, like, yeah. yeah, the permissiveness of like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. 100-hour yeah. work week? Nothing. Yeah. Like, I used to work for a pub company that would like, the pub would shut at midnight, but you'd still have probably an extra hour's worth of work to do at the end of it. So you'd have to stay behind to get that done without mm. being paid. Um, and I watched somebody do the hours for someone and just decide to cut a couple minutes off of their... Uh, off of their start time just because they wanted to save some time so that's yeah. great that's yeah fun. and that's yeah. just what a pub company's doing Imagine god yeah fucking, <laughs> uh, i won't say any names but i did used to work for a um a publication a couple of years ago that paid like 250 dollars a month for like 60 hours of work uh, and it got so bad because i was doing it alongside uni um, it got so bad that I was like on a three cans of monster a day oh. like binge just to keep through it all um so yeah no turns out it happens in games media as well mm -hmm. um yeah. there is that large presumption that you should be happy for any of the opportunities that you get yeah which again i said this in our um episode that we did with uh Alicia judge but i don't want to blame anybody that's working under these conditions for having the unfortunate reality of working under these conditions but I think there is this presumption that you'll you'll work in games, you'll work your way up, you'll get to make the big mm -hmm. thing that you always wanted to do, and the the reality of that just doesn't doesn't pan out. There's not and enough opportunity for no. that. You and can't. ultimately, ultimately, is because like that's what everyone's being 
told is how it works like obviously we're having discussions about it now uh and it's uh like very like much more public discussions than there were before but like the in like the games industry as as a whole like has sort of exists on um making sure people feel grateful for working mm. in mm-hmm. it so there's a 50 minute demo released in june of 2018 during e3 in June of 2018, Ben Kachera writes an article for Polygon chronicling some of the great jokes and clapbacks that Cyberpunk's Twitter has been doing. Oh, it's so great it's when so brands do a little really fun funny. little. I mean, I'm guilty of it as well because I do it for us. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but like it, but like you, like you're the exception. Like it's yeah, fine. When, it's fine when we do it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's something. It's just whenever I see that kind of stuff, I'm like silence brand. Like mm. I don't need. I don't need this from you. Well, just... We already had this debate with like the Wendy's mm. Tumblr fucking oh months ago. God. Yeah, not this. <laughs> not this. No. This is not the way. No. A few weeks after Ben does this, the GOG account, um, which I think I've clarified, but they're the, they're owned by the same company as uh, CD Projekt Red. They're the um, you you know you play video games. Uh, the GOG account tweets a joke picture about the death of games journalism and mm, uh, mm. puts the date of it to around about the same time as Gamergate. <sighs> little fun little edgy joke mm. there, wasn't it? Uh, and then deletes it. That's yeah. the smoking uh, gun right there. That is. Yeah. The, I was waiting for something that connected the devs directly mm. to the like context and that is the smoking gun. Uh, in September, the Cyberpunk account posts a very funny, very incredible joke about assuming somebody's gender. Oh, hey! God, wow, nobody's done that before. Nobody's <laughs> fucking... Nobody's done that one before. They have, that's like, really original. You, they, you know, the reactionaries have like one joke, and they just—that's yeah. yeah. the only one they keep retelling. Um, okay. I actually identify as an attack helicopter. Oh, so. oh that's a that's classic. The one. That's the one. Oh, that very good. Very good. Well done. Love it. Uh, and so, it's a worrying standard set by social media tone. Um, like very clearly hasn't been addressed in a in a brand guideline, which. You know, maybe in, in 2018, you could make the argument that, like, some people just feel like it's a, like, perfectly acceptable thing to do. I'm not saying that it excuses yeah. it, but, yeah. like, for there to not be a guideline that exists, maybe you can uh, appreciate it. But then, like, it does speak to it not being a priority of the company, yeah. more so than anything. Like, yeah. maybe that if there were better representation within mm. the company that this wouldn't happen. Um, but the thing that really stands out to me as well is that it says a lot about the scale of development. That If this was an independent studio, it would probably be very likely that the person that is working on the game would also be 100% in control of the mm. marketing and ideas that come out. Because they'd be the social media manager. Exactly, probably. yeah. yeah. Uh, and so when a company's fucking massive in the scale of a AAA video game, there's going to be an inability to process along all of these ideas. Um, and like, it's a weird place for this topic to come up. But um, like... Uh, do you think that video games lose a sense of identity with their continued growth and scale? Do you think that if they had any possibility of uh, expressing one confirmed, this is the story that we want to tell, when you're doing, you're working collaboratively with, uh, when you're working collaboratively with six hundred people, whether it's even capable or possible? It's this thing of um, like, I, I, I th- it, it, it's a, it's a case by case situation, and especially given um, sort of. That, that perceived lack of priority over sort of nailing some of these issues on the head. Um, like, if anyone, if there were any, if there was anybody at CG Project Red who were, who was like quite turned on to like, like issues of trans rights and like, like, um, like supporting like, like trans people, 
um maybe a joke like that would have been caught at some point rather than um rather than like not having any awareness of of context or um or circumstance and going oh i mean if you're if you social media manager who we pay because you know how twitter works think that is gonna get us loads of clicks then fuck go for it um but it sucks doesn't it it sucks <laughs> it sucks it sucks Big time so somebody else had coined this term so you can't attribute it to me but the baconification of keanu reeves about the idea that um keanu is as a figure a replacement for having a personality in the same way that like oh i just have bacon on everything man oh, like i love having yeah. bacon bros like you know you gotta have bacon bits on your on your bacon sodas <laughs> like loving Eat, keanu sleep, reeves bacon is exactly repeat. that like yeah. how good's keanu may ah oh, you're he's breathtaking a, he's a bloody legend isn't he i can't ah oh, oh. he's seen always be my maybe <laughs> and i feel like i feel like we should add a disclaimer that i'm pre- I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it, this is a generally agreeable opinion that keanu reeves he seems like a nice he person nice. he seems like a nice person uh he's just been turned into a commodity yeah He's yeah. yeah, he's like America's male sweetheart after Tom Hanks, but yeah, very yeah. much a commodity yeah. at this point. Is which he Canadian? Yeah. Oh well, Canada. You're right. No, I mean he exists sweetheart. in that American like world of of film. Yeah, and stuff, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, at the same time, there's an advertisement for Nvidia, which shows a feminine character with an oversized penis. Um, art director Kasia Radusic talks about how in context this is a statement about the future society's reliance on sexuality for advertising purposes without really giving it any due course and attention um which is an argument you can make first time we saw a trans character in the game that wasn't Mm. after after the transphobic jokes though wasn't it this is why we apply the context Mm -hmm. yes it's not necessarily true of the context of the game which we haven't played but it already exists in Mm. an environment where we're not very trustworthy yeah. about these sorts of portrayals, which yeah. is basically the argument in a nutshell. For isn't the it? crowds who are like, "Oh, well, you know, why don't you just wait for the game to come out?" I'm like, I just don't think that's good enough. Like, you you cannot divorce it from this bubble that they themselves created, but like with these horrible tweets that went up, and I don't think there was a proper like acknowledgement. Like, sorry, I know we've obviously gone past that point now, but when these tweets went up and they were deleted, we never had like a real acknowledgement and apology yeah, or absolutely. anything like that. So I, I do want to say for one of them, there was a like, um, I'm sorry that we caused an offence, mm. uh, but not a real statement about no. what they were going to do in order yeah, to no, prevent exactly. this sort there of stuff. There wasn't, there wasn't a mission statement mm. for like rectifying yeah, yeah. The, the, the situation. And mm. like a pledge, you know, mm. like there was, there was nothing like that. So they themselves have, have created this sort of ecosystem where it's like, well, I have nothing to go off of. Like it's not, it's not enough to just trust that the end product will be, you know, we'll, we'll do its due diligence. Like, oh God. And yeah. just as a quick thing before we d- dive into this, like even more, I showed the picture because I, I was talking to the tattoo artists today about like this whole game and this whole phenomenon. And I showed them the picture of you know the offending artwork and they were just like this is just there's there's something about it that made them uncomfortable like bar the fact that like it's just like and and i can't say this word and anatomically Anatomically. that's the one oh my god english kicking my ass um yeah outside of that they were just like this this feels so gauche and just like just so unnecessary and i as a as a trans person there's nothing to say that this um, this isn't something that you would probably end up seeing in a in a cyberpunk dystopia that might be slightly more clued on to the existence of trans people, like this over-sexualization, right? Like, that's, 
that's something that I could envision happening, right? In, in within the within the fictional realm of a cyberpunk world. Um, fucking yeah, no. That's like, actually the the argument that we're making. Like, mm. yeah, yeah. You, you can make um, excuses in context mm. you can, that you, aren't you, excused by the product existing absolutely. in the context that you've created outside of the the context existing. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I just, I, it, it, I feel like, I feel like the 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 main crux of the issue here is it's the first thing we've seen about trans people in the mm. game which is yeah. just oh immediate over over sexualization we don't have the context of like seeing trans people existing in this world and obviously the game's not out yet right again mm. like we're already saying this um it's just it feels like if they didn't want if if, if they didn't want to give off the impression that they weren't taking this sort of thing seriously then they shouldn't that shouldn't have been the opener mm. that shouldn't have been that shouldn't have been the like the thing they put out of there without mm. any context and it feels like a decision that was absolutely made without any in uh, uh oversight or input from any trans person this reminds me uh, as well though of our conversation we had with louise blaine you know the whole idea of um you know di did it earn the right to do that you know because it's not that you can't depict violence it's not that you can depict some of like the most touching and complicated pieces of art out there are things that are deeply disturbing but it's sort of like does that thing earn it through putting you through the paces like as we've said you know the game isn't out yet but you know you can call a spade a spade i think it's pretty obvious that this company and this whole project is kind of tone deaf in this sense and there's lots of sci-fi that's existed that does deal with questions of like gender and the future and like thinking of like samuel delaney and like his work like different genders and even alien genders freaking like octavia butler like there's so many ways of thinking about what directions does this go and does it go in a super intense sexualized way or do people stop caring about gender altogether like you can ask those questions and there might even be people who fetishize gender in that society but it's sort of like you know there's a difference between it's like we the people who defend it use the excuse as if we are already in that society of like well these things are happening so you got to talk about them like well there's there's a difference between this idea of the thing happening and then the voyeuristic act of like watching it. And that's what we're doing. You know, like if you watch a, I always bring up the example of true blood back in the day, just randomly putting a burning cross on the screen is like, I mean, you could do that. Like there's racist people in the world, but like the act of us watching a burning cross on a TV screen is not the same thing as putting you through the paces to talk about race and racism and all that stuff. So I think, I think it's pretty clear, like um, Astrid said, that they they haven't even tried to earn the right because everything they've shown is that it's sort of an afterthought, sort of like, oh, yeah. And in the future, maybe there'll be like some trans things. Yeah, put it in there. Mm. Yeah. Um, so skipping ahead again to this year. Finally, we're in 2020. Ooh. Woo, we made it. Um, we made it. it. It's now the year the original cyberpunk took place in. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> That's the cyberpunk police. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So we skipped ahead to 2020, where there's a cosplay competition that uh, is put out on Twitter.com. It's a website you can go to, um, where someone is portraying this character, uh, and it's uh, supported by the Twitter account. My heavens. The, uh, yeah, they uh, retweet. They retweeted it. Uh... Which, this is the part that I feel is going to get me in the most trouble. Because um, I, I think that, like... Um, for the majority, I don't really hold it against performers, uh, people that are trying to perform different versions of gender expression and uh, identity like under different contexts and circumstances. I think that this would be something interesting. Mm. Um, we could also maybe 
it's worth keeping in mind whether if somebody was actually trans and making this sort of display, whether that would actually go down quite as well. Mm. Like whether they'd have even remotely the same response. Mm. Um, like that is the part that I think would be worthy of a conversation. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I don't really hold it against the model at all. They probably just thought, oh, this would be fun to do. They apparently have said some shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah they um, they um, um, re they received a lot of criticism from a lot of people on Twitter uh, about. Um, this cosplay i think the original tweet as well sort of implied some things about the junk yeah um and the response to a lot of the trans people being like hey this is kind of not great um was quite reactionary mm. and um uh, immediately quite defensive yeah um and like I feel like I I feel like I, I agree with you I I agree with you quite a lot on the point that um like these sort of um experimentations and uh, with expression of gender identity and everything um like that's very good and important because ultimately there are going to be a lot of trans people who aren't out that might use that as I an wanted to use this exact point which yeah. was like your expression of gender mm. is one thing until it's the other thing and mm. there yeah, being absolutely. a nice gray area is a place yeah. for people that are questioning to be able to sit in and i would hate for them to not have that opportunity because we were very pure pluralistic mm, about absolutely. what you are allowed to do and what you aren't 100 percent. i think the 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 part that makes me uncomfortable about the the cosplay specifically um is it's pluralistic a word it is now. It is now. Let's <laughs> add, it, add it to the Glasshouse Games lexicon. Um, but yeah, um, it's just, it's the cosplaying of a character that we only know about because of all of the discourse on the internet mm -hmm. about how not great it was. And I feel like it's impossible. I like, I like to think it is impossible to know about this character, mm. about this portrayal of a trans woman in this advert without knowing about all of the baggage attached mm. to it mm -hmm. um and from uh, and again like it, it it gets messy and difficult um um like talking about this sort of thing but like from uh from a person who presents themselves as a, a cisgender woman um to to do it, it to do that cosplay it, it just it really made me feel a little bit uneasy to do that cosplay to post it with the tweet that they did to to then double down on it i think you can't again it's all about context like it's it's one thing to just put it out there but mm. to do it in this way that that plays up to the sexualization i think is really irresponsible and then yeah for that to then be retweeted by the main account i think is just really bad on all fronts you know uh, the part that gets me specifically um, about it being in the main account uh, retweeted is that it overrides the argument that was made about it being an advertisement that's bad in the future mm. yeah. because mm. it's an yeah. advertisement that exists in the current day yeah. as a way to sell the game so it's not yeah. about future society's expectation mm. of like bad gender stuff it's current now doing the thing that it's supposed to be a parody of which and it's yeah. also not this isn't a leaked image from like an underground ball or like a drag show or something. I mean, that, that would be obviously be a completely different context. This is like a company sanctioning this very specific image based on, you know, it's it's like, if anything, you could probably do a history. I'm going to make this up right now. You may, Maybe it's, you could connect it to, if you talk about Orientalism, you could connect it to the whole like Futanari, like erotic, like, you know, hentai culture as well. Like that's like what it's drawing on more than anything. Yeah. So like if you, yeah, it's just context. It's not like an intimate you know, a queer scene where people are playing with these things and, you know, wearing the different things to, like, 
perform in different ways. It's just, it's literally just meant as like objectification. You know? uh, last point on this before we go to another break. Mm. Uh, in June of, I'm going to check what year it was. Yeah. In June of 2019, uh, Matt Cox writes a preview for Rock, Paper, Shotgun about the portrayal of the Voodoo Boys, an in-game faction of mostly Haitian immigrants, and doesn't really like the portrayal. Um, there's some, like, really... The thing that got me was, like, doing the person's accent back at them in a kind of mocking way, mm -hmm. which doesn't... And that's your main character as well. I don't love that. I don't think Not that's great. pretty cool. Not great, no. Not, Not loving it. Um, yeah, I was uh, I was working at RPS uh, at the time that went down, um, and Matt Cox got a lot of shit for that mm -hmm. on the internet. I had to had to publish yeah. a clarification that he stood by the article and everything. Um, it was it was it was a mess, um, but like he he makes he he sort of hit the nail on the head. It was really kind of not great, was it? about this in the break i'd even completely forgotten about the you know i did a lot of research for this but some stuff passes you by the, like the pronouns being decided by voice pitch is a whole fucking thing yeah oh, really yeah, it's a, yeah. yeah so um so uh when they they, they uh, unveiled the character like some elements of the character creator i don't i don't know if it was revealed in like a night city watch or um i'll tell you uh, what kit put it here in front of my face right, right what there. year it was Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and um, it turns out, and uh, this, I, I assume this would be something subject to change. Um, like maybe it's going to be different in the final product, but the, there's not been any indication um, that um, they they uh, so many promises of all of these different uh, different things you could do with the character creator. Like you can customize what your genitals look like, and you can have whatever body shape you want, and all the different hair. But your pronouns are decided by the pitch you set your voice to so hold do you on wanna, yeah do you want to explain of for your the... character voice or the player speaking into the microphone no like the, the the so like dependent on what uh what pitch you decide your character player character's voice is going to be uh so, it so is this like a tone deaf attempt to be like inclusive or something mm. presumably presumably uh all i know is because um, you could have a high-pitched male character who would then have female pronouns yeah but then no, that disallows any possibility of like butch or like any mm -hmm. differences yeah. within femininity or masculinity right by this <laughs> fucks me up how like saints row got this right like and it was, and it was saints just row. so easy like it was the easiest thing row. like God, yeah Man. most inclusive so how does saints row do it <laughs> they just didn't give even the slightest of fucks yeah. like what your presentation was in comparison to what your uh, your voice sounded like you could fuck anybody you wanted you mate go. it was yeah. It's an egalitarian Perfect. paradise. Like, it's, the, just... it's the future that we all want. My Saints Row, my Saints Row Four <laughs> character was like this, this sick like Birch Bulldike, um, with the voice yeah. of of what sounded like Jason Statham, um, and like, that's, why can't we just do that? Why can't we just do that? Can we just do that? I had the Jason Statham voice, um, but they look like Tilda Swinton 
wearing a spacesuit and a wizard hat. That is. That was it for the, the whole game. That's some. That's some hot shit right mm. there. That's some. You're selling me on this. Yeah. Okay. So in January of 2020, uh, the game was delayed to September. Uh, it had originally been planned for release in April, and in June it was delayed until November. And in October, it was delayed until December, where we are now. Um, what this says to me, not just about poor planning, uh, is that presumably they were doing some end-of-game crunch at the end of last year that might have been pitched as, oh, it's only a couple more weeks, like, mm. let's just get through it, lads, let's buckle down, that has since been extended for the majority of the year. And you can attribute some of that stuff to, like, they probably didn't expect that we were going to do this whole COVID thing. I'm not sure if you've caught the news. There was this Yeah, like, that, um, yeah. 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 Um, you can attribute it to some of that, like some extenuating circumstances, mm-hmm. getting everybody at home, uh, changes to the work uh, relationship. Actually, maybe they have a better work-life balance than they ever have. <laughs> oh, God. Um, horrible to think about. Am I, yeah. am I making this up? Because I said this earlier on. I was like, this feels like cap. Um did they not make a pledge saying that they were not going to crunch? Am I? Is that a lie that I've made up? I may have to check that. Mm-hmm. Um, Citation needed, but I'm pretty sure a studio has said that before, mm-hmm. and it feels like CD Projekt Red would probably be that studio. But... The quote that I have on this one was the CEO uh, acknowledging the mand- mandatory crunch. It- Mandatory crunch sounds like the worst breakfast cereal. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Just, yeah. Um, you must crying eat while eating. Yeah. <laughs> that, I don't want to. Uh, mandatory crunch. Uh, they acknowledged it in a uh, call to investors, but said it's not that bad and never was. And continued that some people have been crunching heavily. Large part of the team's not crunching at all since they finished their work. And then pretty much immediately after sends an email to the staff where he realizes his comments were demeaning and harmful <laughs> now the the interesting uh, addendum addendum to the email situation is the email was leaked uh, mm. by uh, by an employee of CD project red so the implication there to me it feels like they wanted to tell one thing to all of the investors who were giving them all of their money um and then realized that their employees would see that. So they kind of wanted to just like make sure their employees were like, oh. We will say that's speculation. Speculation, entirely speculation. I've just Googled this. Yeah. And um, it seems that the plot thickens slightly. Oh, oh. Give me, that give me, they, give me. they did announce that they would not be subject, employees would not be subject to crunch. However, they reneged on it yeah. <laughs> later on, so it's just like... I'm shocked to hear they that. They are um, terrible at yeah. this. They're terrible at this. Most importantly, I'm not a liar. I have <laughs> some facts, so there. Um. Hell yeah. <laughs> Kit beat me to the punch. I was going to bring it up because I was Googling as well. Yeah. <laughs> I did a lot of research, but things are going to fall through the cracks. Mm. Um, so that sucks. Uh, yeah, why, why you got a crunch? Don't, don't do it. Just don't, no. Especially no. if your release dates are so... Clearly, so flexible. malleable. Apparently, yeah, you can do, do whatever it. the fuck you want, and yet you chose to go the poor, the bad route. I think you kind of saw the peep, the fans, the the first time in a while that they kind of like turned on CD Projekt Red too, because they were like they were, they're not criticizing them for any of the things we've mentioned. But when it was delayed, people were like losing their minds. Mm-hmm. They were like, "This is bullshit!" Like yeah. it was like the, this millenarian event that they were waiting for for so long had like somehow been taken from them and they were freaking out about it. It speaks to, um, I think, 
Uh, this is something that I've really noticed heavily during the pandemic, but like, um, it's one of the first times where people that have never experienced any um, step back in their life, like a single bad thing happening to them, any restrictions being in place at all, is the the worst thing in the world. Where mm. like having to wear a mask for it, like it, it feels weird to like draw the uh, corollary between these things, but like not wearing a mask and not getting the video game that you want. Uh, pretty much exactly yeah. the same thing to me it's I don't actually have anything else going on in my life to concern myself with I do just want to play the nice video game that's going to come out and I can't believe that it's not happening mm. and I will yeah. tithe as many people as many people's bones to the gristle mill as I possibly can <laughs> in order to get this fucking bit of software onto yeah. a disc yeah, and workers' exactly. rights be damned. Exactly. Yeah. I've I've been yeah. struggling like how to bring this up without like singling people out. And I think I've sort of figured it out. Like what I don't like about what happens around the conversations with this game and you know, um, you know, we, we know about the stories of Crunch, like it's quite well reported on, um, is that people are still just like, This is fine, okay, like, you know, we know these things are bad. I'm still gonna go on and, and enjoy this game. Otherwise, it's not a real job, is it? It's, it's just not, doing video no, games. Like, like, what's the, what's the problem? Games. You gotta play video yeah. games a little bit longer. And I think, like, because and conversations are being had about like awards and stuff, and like, I think it is time, and I think people are sort of starting to be clued into the fact that we shouldn't be rewarding this behavior. Like, I'm not sure if about, we've said that we will do this, and this might be a conversation that we yeah. have, but it's, I think that we'd like to go out on a limb and say that I th that companies that do crunch probably shouldn't be awarded for that at least nominated for awards yeah it just yeah, doesn't seem fine. appropriate like if we yeah. if we're really going to admit that this is a bad thing it should be something that shouldn't be allowed yeah. if you want to get the accolades that you're searching for mm. i was going to say something that's will probably yeah I, trouble, we might so. have more to say about that in, yeah in the but i i know for like for certain that conversations are being had with like some you know governing bodies that you know we shouldn't we should absolutely yeah. be excluding mm. games that you know, have this in their background. So I said this when we were talking about this off air, that um, conversations about trying to exclude developers from any awards um, if they don't do crunch is not necessarily telling them don't do crunch anymore. Mm. It's saying be better at getting away with yeah. doing crunch, which would be something mm. that I'd be really worried about advoca advocating for unless yeah. there was a real clear pipeline of mm. like not um, prescribing people to NDAs and etc because it just it yeah. puts employees in a worse position if yeah. we were like i it's very fucking complicated and i want to make sure that we get it right if we're gonna advocate for anything like that mm -hmm. yeah because the challenge with something like that is are you are you treating the cause or the symptom yeah um, yeah and uh it's like that with so many so many other things in the 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 society that we live do in we, do we live in a society um, do we, i think we live in a society Here, can i just can make up over all of us please? yeah <sighs> like an instagram filter yeah that turns us all into um, the Joker. Yeah. Cool. Okay, we've done that. We're going to cap us off with some fun. Yeah, yes. let's do it. It was announced, very close to the date of record, what the soundtrack's going to be. All those tunes, baby. I love music. I love the Rolling Stones. I love Enya. Um, they're not on the soundtrack. Is that in the soundtrack? No. <laughs> oh, man. I was like, Enya, sail away. Such yes, a mate. boomer question. Um, I want to see Mick Jagger in Cyberpunk. So, <laughs> just sort uh, of shaking about, you know. I'll start off with the funnest one. Um, it, I'll, I'll, it's the shortest, actually. It's um, so ASAP Rocky's on the soundtrack. You may know ASAP Rocky from getting arrested in Sweden and then Donald Trump 
helping to get him unarrested in Sweden. Um, and then I've do got, a, have a, I've got a, a direct quote. quote. This is cyberpunk already. Yes. Yeah. This is the cyberpunk plot yeah, yeah. line. We don't need a game. Um, so the quote from uh, ASAP himself was, uh, I don't agree with all the political shit that he does at all, but just thankful for everybody who supported me in there. <laughs> <laughs> It's so it's good. good. It's, it's doing so much work. It's holding yeah. up the rest yeah. of the quote. It's so fucking good. Um, um, but... Right. Uh, also on the soundtrack, we've got uh, Run the Jewels, who, you know, second album's pretty second good. Second album's yeah. pretty good. Um, but they, um, yeah. Killer Mike. Killer yeah, Mike. Just behave yourself. So uh, Killer yeah. Mike got in a lot of trouble because of uh, conversations that were being had about gun control at a time where he put out a statement that... Uh, a period of time probably would have been pretty reasonable but chose exactly the wrong time to do it like it was about um not uh taking away guns from people because it's primarily the police that needed to be uh de-armed in order to de-escalate the majority of violence which fine but don't do it right after Uh, and then yeah um yeah the next big thing that got him in trouble was during a lot of the Black Lives Matter protests of this year, he insisted that the way forward was in solely by political means that everybody needed to pack up and go home yeah. and not continue to ride the wave of any uh, meaningful change. Um, which, you know, yeah. like Georgia did flip to Democrat mm. in this election, so you could make arguments that maybe he was effective, but then you have to make larger statements about whether that uh, electoralism is uh, going to be the, the subject yeah. of any meaningful change. Um, fucking my dude, sit down, man. Stop, like. Um, and also the thing that gets me as well is that he wears shirts with like "Kill Your Masters" written on them, and yeah. it's like the the most the thing you can do to kill your masters the most is go to the polls. <laughs> Got a Pokemon? Go to the polls. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then bloody Grimes in there. Bloody Grimes. Love a bit of Grimes, don't I? Uh, you'll know Grimes from that baby. What <laughs> it happens <laughs> with Elon Musk? With, e- with Elon Musk, yeah. Of I make a the rockets fame. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I make rockets and shit trains. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Grimes and Elon started dating, and Grimes's Twitter bio read anti imperialist. Uh, and then that got taken out. That's, well, nope. No more of that. Cut that out. Um, and uh, there was a quote from twitter.com which says he's never uh, prevented any of his staff from unionizing it's quite literally fake news trust me i've investigated this heavily and even visited factories (laughs) etc can you imagine Um, grimes rolling up to your factory jesus christ as a worker Um, i would be like horrified if the butt is doing the work in the asap rocket uh, (laughs) i think uh i think i mentioned this in the in uh off air as well it's just um like it really gives off i've been to north korea and everything looks really great oh god (laughs) you know like same energy yeah, Pyongyang, vibrant, <laughs> my, vibrant city. It's going to say multicultural. Even they probably couldn't no, no. even get away with saying that. No, no. I think there's a whole thing about that. But anyway, um. <laughs> um, so Grimes also did a post. Uh, sorry, that post had come from uh, after a series of tweets that Elon Musk had made about unionization, and Grimes had said that they haven't unionized 
Because they just don't want to. <laughs> they just don't want to. They just don't, don't bloody want to. Like they wanted to, they would have, right? It just yeah. makes sense. No, of course. Um, followed on with, they can form a union whenever they want, and there's nothing I can do to stop them. California is a very pro-union state. They just don't want to. They just don't want to. Like, they don't want to. And then a couple, uh, couple months after that, literally tried to instigate union votes so y'all would lay off, but they can't get any signatures because they've abandoned the Fremont plant in the last crash. Because of Tesla doing third-party polling to make sure employees are in good space since the majority don't want union peace. Wow. Um, and then there's the whole thing. It sounds like target propaganda, you know? Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, absolutely. You give employees a choice whether or not they want to be in the union. I was just looking as well, like, this is after, you know, like, I, I was, because I was like, this doesn't sound right. A, a California judge back in September 2019 ruled that the company was illegally sabotaging unionizing efforts. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like, what the heck is this? There was also the um, Elon Musk doing the like uh, pronouns suck thing, yeah, and then Grimes replying yeah. like this isn't you. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. And is then, it not? Is it? Is it? Not, is, is this not Elon Musk? And then um, I think they started they unfollowed each other on Twitter, which yeah. is yeah, no, whole thing. so funny. Oh. Yeah, it's really so funny. Fucking funny. <laughs> and this isn't even to mention my favorite one to cap us off. Uh, Azalea Banks coming around to presumably <laughs> record a song with Grimes and then um, Azalea just saying on Instagram like they're just trying to have sex with me and uh, Elon Musk is on acid right now like, <laughs> this just solidified my stance as an Azalea Banks stan like I mean, she, just... was, she was a little bit of a homophobe the one time yeah there was that there was that that did happen there was that that did happen I, d I don't know if that's um, still ongoing I, I yeah, imagine I don't know. not I just... Azalea don't let us down again <laughs> please it's don't the whole thing. Do that I'll, again. Yeah. I'll give you the goss after this. Nice as well. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny and ironic given that Elon Musk is literally like he's the kind of person that, you know, the altered carbons of the world would predict would become like the, mm. the, the rich people living on their islands, like reincarnating themselves in the bodies. You know? He's literally a Bond villain. It's the Garfield I wonder yeah. who that's for meme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh but yeah, like Grimes run the jewels, ASAP Rocky. Mm-hmm. Very good soundtrack. It's a shame yeah. that we won't be able to listen to any of it. It's true, because... <laughs> oh, that's true. We can't... We're, I mean, we're not going to stream the game anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's uh, got a streamer mode included, oh, yeah. uh, which is a conversation that we won't talk about here, but we did talk about in a longer form with the musician Shura, which we'll link to. I don't know which way to point. And that's it. It's coming out it's coming this out. week, I think. Mm -hmm. Delicious. I'm yeah. probably going to play it. I'm not going to lie. I probably will. I'll, I'll probably need it. to play it for some other thing anyway. I'll, I'll play it if somebody pays me to play it, but I'm, yeah. that's looking unlikely. Yeah. God. Don't Ooh. pay for it. That's my personal not Glasshouse Games opinion. Mm. Play it. We should chat afterwards. It. It's a callback. <laughs> so thank you very much for sitting through that. Um, if you'd like to support us, we're on Patreon. Glasshouse, Glasshouse Media. That's the one. Thank you, Kit. That's it's right below us right now. It's down there. <laughs> if you'd like to support the work that we do, and if you liked this, if you specifically liked this, can you show it by putting a little like, and then doing a little subscribe? It's probably some new ones that haven't seen us before for this episode. Mm. If you really, really care for what we've just done, you can give us a couple quid on Patreon and get some exclusive content. I've been Matthew Jones. I've been joined by the rest of the team. Thanks for having me. Thank you to Kids behind the desk and to Dancy Parks for the music. Bye. We'll talk soon.
potatoes.